Well, before I get into my sermon, I want to say a big thank you. We have um, some of our some of our worship staff are out on Christmas vacations and joining enjoying time with family. So a big thank you to folks like Elaine and Deb and Brandon and Shelby for leading us in worship this morning, and Karen, who is our one of our regular worship staff um, who leads us in traditional worship every Sunday. But still, thank you for your leadership. So for the wonderful music this uh, morning, guys, thank you. Thank you so much. But waiting, waiting, it's such a common thing we find in this latter half, this latter quarter, I guess we would say, of the year, isn't it? So we find ourselves waiting and waiting for Thanksgiving, for the time to enjoy Thanksgiving itself, and for, if you're like me, the permission to finally really enjoy and live into the holiday season, kick off the festivities in full swing. And then after that, you find college students and little ones and every age in between, they are waiting and they are waiting and they are waiting for school to finally be out. And I think we can throw teachers into that mix, too. And so they're waiting so they can maybe sleep in, depending on their age, but they're all going to relax and play. And then we all wait and wait and wait for Christmas, for the sacredness of that candlelight service, for the joy of opening presents, for the comfort and the preciousness you get of gathering with family and friends. And so now, today, whether or not you're going to stay up until midnight, we wait and we wait and we wait for the new year. And so I don't know about for you, but for me, it feels like each year since 2020, there's been so much hanging on that idea of waiting and waiting and waiting for the turn of a new year. So in the wee and fresh hours of 2021, we knew in our souls, if you're like me, as you were watching those few healthcare workers that were some of the first people to get the vaccine, so they got that special permission to go to the New York, uh, New, New York, um, New Year's Eve celebration. So we're watching those few people socially distance. And so in the wee fresh hours of 2021, we knew anything anything had to be better than the year prior. And so then as we're looking ahead until 2022, we thought maybe this is it. Maybe this is the year that this pandemic gets really behind us, whatever that means anyway. 2023, this is the year when it finally turns around, right? And then here we are again in 2024. We are watching, we are waiting, we are looking with hope. Despite a year with war and violence, rumors of war, we are clinging to the hope that this new year will come and that things will get better. Despite whatever may be going on for us personally, whether that is grief, uncertainty, relationship, turmoil, job issues, health struggles, what have you, we hope 
that the new year is going to bring us something better. We watch and we wait with hope. So December 31st, New Year's Eve, in the Methodist tradition, brings us something that we call a watch night service. So it's this idea of watching and waiting and praying with hopeful anticipation for the new year. Connecting with God in an intentional and meaningful way as we reflect on the year prior and we look with that optimism to the year ahead. It's a day in a service of watching and of waiting. And that, that resonates with our souls and where we find ourselves on this day of the year. And so very fittingly, our scripture passage for today features two individuals who, guess what? They watched and they waited. They paved the way for us in this idea. Their names are Simeon and Anna. So hear the word of God from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. When the time came from the purific- for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, being Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So here's our scene, friends. Mary and Joseph, they're doing their religious duty because they are Jewish after all. And they're dedicating baby Jesus at the temple after his birth. And so we can just glide over this and just think, well, there's nothing significant here. This is just another routine part of their typical life. But as it often is in scripture, there is more. Every baby is not necessarily dedicated in the temple after their birth. It only happens in certain circumstances in the Jewish tradition. As Luke points out, it's only the firstborns and only the sons. So that means it's because of Jesus' situation, because of Jesus' birth order, he actually gets to fulfill what the angel Gabriel said, that he would be called holy. And here's another key detail that you and I would miss because I don't know about you, but off the top of my head, I'm not really up to date on ancient Jewish temple sacrifice practices. But Mary and Joseph were looking at the options of sacrificing turtle doves or pigeons for baby Jesus. But that was not the normal sacrifice for babies. That was the alternative sacrifice as something that was just for those who were impoverished, for those who were poor. The normal sacrifice, if you could afford it, was a lamb. But lambs were expensive. So this, this is a key detail that reminds us of the kind of humble family that Jesus was born into. That God's promise was fulfilled to us. In a way that Jesus decided to align himself with the marginalized, with the very ordinary, with the overlooked, with the poor. And again, that means that this would have been a normal, poor family that most people 
would have overlooked Mary and Joseph as they were coming into the temple that day. But moving on, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. So here we have this amazing saint introduced whose name is Simeon. Simeon. Did you know that Simeon is a name that literally means listen? And that's so fitting because that is actually what he spent his entire life doing. It's a very accurate description of him. He spent his life listening and watching and waiting for the coming of the Christ child. To see this prophecy fulfilled And to affirm for Mary and Joseph and for us, the readers of this gospel passage, the gravity of the coming of the Christ child, the gravity of the coming of Christ. He kept watching and waiting and listening in hopeful anticipation. And of course, out of nowhere, here comes this completely ordinary, average, poor family coming into the temple for a routine religious ritual. Other people would have missed it, but he had eyes to see it. He had eyes to see it for what it was. Because he was listening. Because he was open. The Holy Spirit allowed him to see and celebrate what was happening for exactly what it was. It was both this personal fulfillment for him to finally have heard what he was listening all his life for the cries of the Christ child and it was a prophetic fulfillment for the world and so that is how he explains this all to Mary as well speaking of how Jesus's life and death and resurrection will both impact her personally and change the world as a whole And so this dual dimension is important, so let's not skip over it. Let's let it sink in. That's both personal to us and good news for the whole. Both and. The gospel is good news for you personally, and it should be. God coming to us in Jesus is good news for each of us personally. 
It can and it should bring you personal peace and hope and love and joy and faith that makes a difference in your personal life. But the beauty is it does not stop there. Because it is also good news for our world. Jesus also brings peace and joy and love and hope and faith to our world, too. To the oppressed who are in need. To strangers who are in need of welcome. And here's the kicker. Yes, even to people who we may not really like. It's for you, but it's also for everyone. It's both and. And so when we switch the dynamics, this is where Anna comes in. Lovely Anna, the prophetess, one of the many, many women throughout the Bible who preach the good news of the gospel of Christ. So you can see why I am a big fan of Anna here. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. And at that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the Christ child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So Anna was here as well. Anna was on the scene as well. And Anna also had eyes to see and to understand and to believe. So this idea that Anna never left the temple, it's probably hyperbole, but we get the idea. Anna's dear husband of many years died, and what does she do? She dedicates her life to serving God. But while Simeon reminds us of this idea that God's promise can be personal to us, that God's gospel is personal to us. Anna is this idea, this foil, this contrast that reminds us that it's something to be shared with the world. It's not just for us to sit on. It's not just for us to say, wow, that's great news for me. It's to share and it's to spread and it's to live into and it's to use. It's good news to use to change the world. Which, of course, that means the question for us is how. How do we use this good news to change the world? We're watching and we're waiting for good news. We're hoping and we're praying for God to continue to make this world better and more just, of course, like the kingdom of God. But what do we do? How do we live into it? How do we say yes? How do we get on board? So Simeon and Anna make models for us, being faithful people who lived and worked in the temple, who allowed God to work through them. They made themselves available by being at that temple. They saw the opportunity, they conveyed the message, they hopefully brought encouragement and hope to Mary and Joseph and as young parents, 
And Jesus models it for us in his life and death and resurrection, of course. We simply have to say yes. We simply have to make that commitment to get on board. We have to make that covenant to live into the life that Christ has called us to. So there are many, many people in need of that good news, that simple good news that God loves them, even them. There are many people in need of hope and in need of healing and in need of justice and in need of mercy. People in poverty, people who are oppressed, people who have been hurt by the church before. People who are suffering from illnesses, whether physical or mental. People who are lonely. People who find themselves in grief. And we, we as the church, we can and we should. In fact, we must be the answer. Not just during the Advent and Christmas season, but we must be it year-round. A lifelong call of saying yes to being God's feet and hands in the world. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things in simple ways by being yes, being available and saying yes as they can. And I see it happen in this church over and over again in ways that they may not think are big deals, but I always think are big deals and love to celebrate them. I think of Joe and the Tuesday Tigers, more of them than I could name in this one sermon. And all the lives that they have changed. So did you know that they build ramps for people who are unable to use the stairs to get into their homes anymore? For free. Many of these people could not afford these ramps into their homes otherwise. And even if they could, that's a huge financial burden. And these guys do it for free. They also built the creche for our family Christmas Live. Something that we will use over and over and over again to help children see and understand and live into the Christmas story each year. And many more projects that go to make a difference. We have Skip and many other volunteers that pack for Kids Pack, which fights poverty and hunger in our community. And of course, as he lets me know, they always need more volunteers. They are packing this Wednesday. I know it's early in January, but they are packing this Wednesday and need your help. But they get to be God's hands and feet by helping children in our school system not go hungry on the evenings and on the weekends. I think of our visitation volunteers who go to those who can't visit with us in person, taking them communion, just being a friend, just being that presence of Christ. I think of Judy and of Harriet and of Kayla and of many others who are doing that in the ministry that they are doing. I think of Angie and of Warren and our forests and many others who have made that possible to have our church partnership with Hearst Chapel AME breaking down those dividing walls and racial barriers to help us as a church become more understanding, become more just, and hopefully look more like the kingdom of God. And each and every time I do this, I can keep going on and on and on and on, but what I want to do here is I want to encourage you to think about this, that these are ordinary folks who have found their passion and their way to fit into this and say yes. And so may you, in a similar way, find your way to say yes. Find your way to see and respond to how the Spirit is working in you like Simeon and Anna.
Maybe you love kids and you would love to volunteer with our children's ministries or our neighborhood ministries. Maybe you have an hour a month and can pack with Kids Pack. Maybe you have the technical ability to become a Tuesday Tiger. Or maybe you have the opportunity you want us to teach you you can help us in the tech booth during worship. Maybe for you, your next step is to simply learn more about joining this congregation or take your next step in baptism. But whatever your next step is, I encourage you to take it, friends. The waiting is almost over, and the new year is upon us. So may it be this year full of new opportunities for us to love God, to love our neighbor, and to serve our community well, together. So it's a tradition in a watch night service to use what's called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. This may be something that is familiar to you. It may be the first time you're hearing about it or anything in between. So it's a prayer written by John Wesley, who is the founder of Methodism, and it is intended to help us recommit and renew our covenant with God. And I think it's an appropriate way for us to remember that we belong to God And help us commit together to this saying yes in the ways that God is leading us in the years ahead. So as we close this sermon together, friends, let us join together in reciting and praying the words of the Wesley Covenant Prayer. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee, or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen and amen. So friends, we thank you for being with us in worship this morning. We hope it has been a blessing to you. But now as we prepare to go from this place, may you hear this benediction. May you know that the news of the Christ child coming, it is good news. It is good news for us all, but it's also good news that changes this world. So friends, may we go, may we share, may we live into it. May we take this new year to love our God, love ourselves, love our neighbor well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.